0: Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit (laughs) www.moultriemobile.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, middle of the night, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully everybody is doing well. Welcome to the Hunting Gear Podcast, I'm your host Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with a gentleman, Aaron Sweat, and we're going to be talking about Christmas ideas, right? I think the title of this podcast is going to be something like uh, um, Christmas Gift Ideas for the Serious Hunter. And so not only do we talk about gifts that we would like to give, but gifts that we would like to receive. And so it's just a fun episode talking about some of the uh, gifts that you might get someone who's brand new to the sport of hunting, someone who's been around the block a couple times. We talk about our favorite products. Um, that we wish everybody had and that we would you know we'd like to give to other hunters and so that's what the topic is today not a lot of intro on this podcast I'm going to get into the commercials tethered if you're looking for a saddle go check out tethered's website and just read up on all the information that they have there check out their youtube channel tons of educational information on how to become a better saddle hunter on top of that they have platforms they have saddles they have climbing sticks they have saddle hunting accessories so everything you need whether it's just to get started or now you're a professional at it and you want to go from the beginner series to the you know the you know basically get to the pros then they have that too so uh, go check out tethered's website for a ton of information hunt stand if you're this is a uh this is actually a product that i wish i would have talked about in this episode and i'm not sure why but i think when it comes to a christmas gift hunt stand would be a really good idea because it will allow someone to be thinking about hunting strategizing about hunting planning about hunting even when they can't be out on the farm to scout right they can do their e-scouting on on that app they can uh organized trail camera pictures on that app they can scout they can document they can uh, strategize and really just long story short think about hunting when you're not actually hunting or not actually scouting so huntstand.com go check out the website read up on all the functionality that they have and then on top of that check out the new pro whitetail upgrade that they have available and that might also be another option for uh, as a as a Christmas gift as well some kind of stocking stuff or so huntstand.com we'll check it out and then we have Tacticam and uh, uh, I believe we talk about Tacticam in this podcast I'm thinking I'm not 100% sure but uh, uh, we talk about Tacticam we talk about um, how it would be a great product for you know someone who likes to share their time spent in the woods and just you know, document what they see, share with their family, their kids, their their elders in sorts that can't be out in the woods all the time. And uh, it's just a really good, uh, it's just a really fun, awesome product if if you like to share your story. And so, Tacticam, uh, go check out their website. They have the new 6.0 version. And that uh, that has a image stabilization and has an LCD screen, so it's taken a step up, and it's really crystal clear. I can remember the f- I bought a GoPro a long time ago, and it was the very first GoPro, and that footage was dog crap. And you compare that to the new uh, the new 6.0 uh, at uh, Tacticam, and it's money, man. It, it it's crystal clear 4K. And it really does, you know, allow you to document uh, your your hunts in the woods. So go check out Tacticam. And then that's it, right? What do you want for Christmas is what I'm going to ask. Or what would you like to give as a gift? What would you like to receive as a gift? Hit me up on the Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram page and uh, just send me a DM on a couple items that uh, you would like to receive. Make a comment when I post this. Make a comment uh, about what would you like to receive for Christmas that's hunting related or uh, uh, whether that's hunting, maybe even fishing. I don't know if that's your thing or not. But let's get into today's episode with Aaron Sweat as we talk about Christmas gifts for the serious hunter. Three, two, one. All right. On the phone with me today, Mr. Aaron Sweat. Aaron, what's up, man? Living the dream out here in Michigan, Dan. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people, I'll tell you this, Michigan is a gorgeous state. Um, I've been on the, uh, let's see, I've been into the middle of Michigan. I've been along the uh, Lake Michigan uh, coastal area up by Grand Haven and even north of that. And I've been into the city of, uh, oh geez, where was I at? Uh, Grand Rapids, I haven't been on the east side of the state yet, you know, around the Detroit area, but one time when I was really young, I went all the way up into, uh, oh, north, north of the Mitten, I've never been into the UP, but north uh, in the uh, lower part of Michigan, and dude, you guys have an absolutely gorgeous state.
1: Yeah, I agree, totally agree, Um, where you've been, I've only been a few times the west side of the state, it's a couple hour drive from me. Um, I work basically in the Detroit area and so I'm technically Pontiac, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Northern Michigan, that's my sanctuary. That's where I go for, um, well, I've been going up for rifle hunting since 1993 up there. I was 13 years old when we started. Gotcha. And as soon as I get North of the Zilwaukee bridge, it's like a stress reliever.
0: There you go. There you go. All right. So what do you do for a living? I,
1: uh, I teach at public schools. I'm in my 21st year. I teach construction, and so I have a really cool gig. I... Um build a house every year that we move from our school into a neighborhood. Uh, Pontiac's kind of a low-income neighborhood, and they could use some some low-income housing options. And so it works out really good for my uh, school. We get the experience to build a full house, and then we ship it off. And, uh, you know, some city resident gets to take advantage of it.
0: Hey, that's awesome. I'll, I'll tell you this. My, my school, we had a trades department, trades class. And they did that as well. So there was, there was the teacher. I think there was a couple teachers and, and then the, the kids who went through all the prerequisites to get to the construction class, which was usually a junior-senior class. And they, would, they didn't build it in-house and ship it. They went out and did everything from the foundation to the last shingle. And so um, I, I look back at that and I go, dude, I wish I did that. I wish I, you know, because I went to, I I had fun with some art classes and some, some stuff like that, but I suck at art. I can't draw, and and so I look back at that. I go, I wish I would have took something that was a little bit more functional uh, in the real world. Because I'm looking at my drywall in the in my office right now, and it's horrible. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I heard you talking about that, yeah. looking for the oversized covers for yeah. the outlet. <laughs> you no, know, i tell you, it's been a blessing for me. Um, I had an uncle that taught construction actually at the same school, and um, he kind of steered me in the direction of going into the Carpenters Union, so I became a rough carpenter, and then um, you know, the market kind of changed and I ended up taking the job at the school here and I love it. It works out really good for me. I I frame houses on the side or do carpentry on the side as well. And it works out good because I have uh, a nice pool of students that I can hire on weekends and they really only know what I've taught them. So it works out pretty good.
0: Right. So not only are you their teacher, but then you're their, their boss. So it's not like anything really, the dynamic really doesn't change no not at all gotcha it's pretty cool cool well this is the hunting gear podcast and and we're going to talk about uh hunting gear and equipment today but we're going to look at it because i have a couple of uh wish list items and it is the christmas season and everybody's starting to you know look for gifts for other people and uh um you know start thinking about gifts for themselves you know your wife or your your mom or your friends or whatever hey what do you want for Christmas and you, you th- you're I'm starting to think about things like that and so I kind of want to break this down Aaron I want to break it down with a gift that you you know some gifts that you would want to give to another serious deer hunter and then gifts that maybe you would like to receive uh, f- you know in order to, you know, I don't know, the gifts, gifts that you maybe not wouldn't necessarily go out and buy, but you would love to receive. So um, does that sound all right? Yeah, that sounds
1: like a lot of fun, actually.
0: Perfect, perfect. All right. So because this is the, the giving season, they say, let's start off with an item that you think you would love to give another serious deer hunter.
1: Ah, so the biggest game changer for me uh, this year would be the beast stands, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, You know, I know that's an expensive gift to give, but if I were given the one that's made the biggest difference for me, that's allowed me to set in a tree all day when it matters the most, you know, during the rut. And so it's probably been the biggest change for me. I went um, the last, the previous two seasons, I used only a saddle in the the tethered platform and I did do all day sets and I actually did four of them in a row uh and it was miserable yeah so to me I think that starting somebody off a serious hunter with the beast uh beast stand it would increase their time in the tree and uh definitely no squeaks or anything when the moment of truth you know is right there in front of
0: you right and so you know I've never been in a beast stand uh, or sticks or I've never used them. I've never even held them. All I know is uh, I've interviewed Dan uh, about those sticks. I've talked to him about the process. You know, um, I think if you, the listeners are listening to this, you can go into a previous episode and listen to an entire episode just about his stands and his sticks. And so I haven't had the opportunity to use them, but I do know that they are not cheap and i think a lot of that has to do with where they're manufactured it's a it's a 100 u.s manufacturing correct yes okay Yep. which leads and to higher cost correct
1: and they're cutting it out instead of like doing the mold injection and i'm not i'm a carpenter i don't know anything about that yeah. but they said it's stronger and i have it in the tree or you know a lot of different trees this year and It just flat out goes in any tree, locks on nice and tight, um, never had a squeak or any kind of noise come from the stand. And it's just, man, I swear when I first got it, I grabbed the uh, tethered platform, just their normal size platform, not the XL. And they were about the same weight, and I don't know the the uh, specs on the on the tethered platform. I don't know if it's a four pound deal. It probably is lighter, but when you grab the two, because it's a, you know the tethered platform is so much more compact than the beast stand, the beast stand feels lighter. Yeah. And so I was just immediately impressed with it, and I actually have never put my hands on beast sticks though. Okay. And the reason for that. Is like I said, the previous two seasons, I was um, only in a saddle. that I used the tethered phantom, and a lot of times when I was climbing, I would have the bridge from the saddle grab onto like the bottom foot of the of the climbing stick. And with the sticks that I had before this year, I had the Hawk Heliums, uh, just the you know entry level sticks, and I liked that when the bridge grabbed it, the the step just folded up out of the way. Yeah, and so when I was buying new sticks this year, this past season, um, that was kind of a, a big deal for me, as I wanted to have a, a stick that the feet folded up on.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that makes yeah, I never really thought about that until now because I I every once in a while my climbing rope as I start to go up the tree before I snap in or something like that if I take a big step up and I get hooked on my bottom step with the lone wolf sticks, they, they come up and they, it's, you know, it's not really a problem. You climb down, you use your feet to kick the, the stand, you know, the, the foot peg over and, you know, you're good to go. So I can definitely see how that would be a sm- small, but still kind of a, an annoying inconvenience.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, being a carpenter that, climbs the heights pretty much daily i don't always have my lineman belt on when i'm climbing and you know sometimes i've been kind of hurrying up the tree and had that bridge grab and i'm pretty glad that it bent up out of the way yeah you know where i feel like if i had the the a stick that it didn't fold out of the way and it grabbed i'd kind of get stuck or pull maybe even pulled backwards a little bit
0: yeah yeah all right and so aside from the weight and the the lack of noise is there any other big benefit that you got out of that that beast tree stand
1: you know just the adjustability but i i think that most of your good hang-ons are going to have the adjustability like a lone wolf you can adjust the, the angle that you're sitting on so i think really the the noise and the the um strength of it is probably the two selling features for it and the weight you know i backpack in on, on public land most of the time and so the weight it is an issue when you're taking everything out for a full day.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. So that would be a gift that you want to to give, and I'm going to talk about something uh, that I would like to receive as a gift because it, it's a tree stand, right? And yeah. so from a run and gun standpoint, you know the, the there's similar functionality between your your uh, your beast uh, stand from a You know, I I feel like the run and gun, lone wolves, the Novex, I mean, it's pretty much the same tree stand, the XOP gears, those all are all kind of the same tree stand, the same functionality for the most part, the ability to level out in the tree, right? So you're not leaning one way or the other. All those are the same. But one of the reasons I do not sit all day is I have bad knees and I have a, a bad back. And so, I can tough it out for four to six hours, whatever. But after that, man, I just get antsy. Um, Then I start to stand up and sit down. I start to move around a lot, that kind of stuff. And so, when I go into my historically good rut spots, a place where you could potentially sit all day, I would love a really comfortable tree stand. And so my wish list product would be a millennium. And I mean one of the big, non, this is a not a mobile. This is not a mobile tree stand, but a big, Hang it up sometime in the summer or before the season starts, and that's where it's staying all year type of uh, tree stand. The big comfortable seat, the big platform, and you can just sit down, relax. The back isn't in it. You know, the back's not giving you issues and just uh, something that you could just chill in all day long. And so that would be what what I would love to receive as a gift
1: yeah that's like a dream scenario for sitting all day right uh i've looked at those millenniums too you know the ones with like the it looks like a straight up chair sitting up there yes
0: yes it's a lawn chair no doubt about it
1: (laughs) you know um i'm the same way where i can't sit the whole time and not move Mm -hmm. and so what i've been figuring out is i've got to like hang a good set that allows me some good cover to where I can stand up and stretch my feet every now and again. Yeah. And this year I've been kind of, obviously you've got to pick the spot based on seeing sign and, and you know, that there's going to be deer there that you want to hunt. Yeah. But um, I've been looking for trees that are close to pine trees or bore pine trees so that I can get up in there and have some good cover and be able to move around a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it was really bad in the saddle for me. I just, I, I can work for an eight, 10 hour day framing houses and I come sit at the computer for two hours and I'm complaining to my wife how sore I am. <laughs> you know, so uh, the sitting around is really the hardest part for me. And then the saddle, I was constantly swinging, sitting up, sitting down, kneeling against the tree, yep. just constantly making adjustments.
0: Yep. And the time that I did spend in a saddle this year, they, uh, Tethered offers, it's a little accessory. It's like a secondary backstrap that you oh, yeah, put recliner yeah and you put it under your armpits i mean somewhere around there you know wherever it's comfortable for you and then that connects to your uh, is it the bridge the same the same uh, uh carabiner that your bridge yeah. bridge is the, the-, the carabiner
1: from the tether
0: yeah exactly and yep, so no,
1: i've got one of those too
0: yeah and so when i was in that now this was not an all day sit uh, scenario this was a this was an afternoon hunt and I got into the tree about three. And at the time, I think it was a 630 type sunset scenario, 630, 645. And so I was, I was only in there for three hours. And I felt, I felt pretty good. I felt pretty good. The only difference between that, and I was in a good tree, great cover. Deer came by, I you know, nothing, no shooters. Uh, the deer didn't, didn't necessarily see me didn't spook whatever but I did find myself moving around a lot more in a saddle than I did in a tree stand yeah and, I, and agree I think I was... think it's just like natural movement at that point
1: yeah you know when you lean back you just kind of sway a little bit um I loved the recliner and that was crucial for me to do all day sits in the in yeah. the saddle yeah um <laughs> for sure and even where you know i would have the rec- the recliner right up under my armpits and then you'd have to adjust it down a few inches you know just to keep moving it to stay comfortable yeah yep so, so and the other thing with the saddle and that comfort i really feel like the diameter of the tree made a difference if you got in a small tree you really couldn't lock your knees against the tree in front of you or if you had a decent diameter tree you could you could kneel against it pretty good
0: yeah And, and I know, I mean, there's guys up there who they got, they, and this is something I still need to work on with my saddle. And that is getting the, you know, having the ability to, uh, like just adjust to comfort, adjust it to comfort. And so, so I would just, you know, kind of sit back and, uh, and, and fall asleep. And I know, I don't guys who they tell me, dude, I can, I can just almost lay down in it. like you know, or find a way to just like melt into it and i i can very comfortably fall like i could fall asleep if i wanted to and things like that so so i'm not there yet but i want to be
1: and see i found comfortable spots but it didn't like you would get super comfortable and then in 90 minutes it was you were aching from it or i was aching from it you know right and uh there's definitely probably tougher guys out there than
0: me that's (laughs) That's a fact same here same (laughs) here but uh when it comes to ultimate luxury comfort on a non-mobile like it goes against everything that i've ever talked about right if you can find a good pinch point if you can find a good fence crossing downwind of all day bedding area you know staging area you know some place where the deer like during the rut the deer are just going to kind of cruise back and forth all day i definitely would love one of those millennium big boys or whatever they're called that is basically my office chair on a, you know, on a, in a, it's like a small room up there. Right on.
1: You know, the other, the most comfortable thing I've ever sat in is the summit climber. Yeah. The problem with them is they announce that you're coming because they're loud, they're heavy. Yeah. They grab everything as you come through the woods. But same type of deal. If you could set that up preseason, uh, in a, in a pinch point somewhere where you plan to sit all day, man, you could do it in that.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's a, That's a, that's a fact. All right. Next one. The next one I want to talk to you about is so you talked about giving the first, uh, first round. Now, what about receiving? What's a a gift you would like to receive from somebody?
1: Yeah. So I give my wife a list of about three or four things and have her pick some things off of that for me. And this year, what I told her, well, and why I picked this item is this year on public land, I shot a really nice buck for, for our area. And the shot, judging it you know, from in the stand, looked a little back. Thought it was actually a gut shot, so I sat in the stand at that shot. Uh, it was at seven ten in the morning. Seven thirty, I'd called a, a, a dog tracking dog in on it. And uh, matter of fact, I sent you a message that wish me luck. Yeah. And so um, I sat in that stand all day and didn't move until the uh, dog showed up at five o'clock. You know, yep. and um, <laughs> that was. uh, that was a test right there for me. And sorry, I just got a text message just popped up on my screen. that completely derailed my thought right there. That's all right. Um, so either way, I was up on public land, shot the deer, waited all day for that uh, deer to show up or for the dog tracker to show up. And it ended up not being as far back as I thought. I didn't even go look at the arrow. So when the dog got there, I looked at the arrow and I had a red arrow. So The thing that I wanted to get is a Tacticam. So the 6.0 has the little screen on it so you can replay the video. And so that was the the first thing that I put on the the wish list for this year was the Tacticam 6.0. So I wouldn't have to set in there all dang day again that I could replay the shot. And just even if it's not a bad shot, just to have the footage of it would be really cool.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing better than being able to review your footage. Um, I mean, I, whenever I had a camera in the tree with me, uh, not you know, I, I never had a tacticam on my. oh well, maybe I did on on a doe hunt. Yes, I did have a tacticam on uh, my bow a couple years ago. I've I've filmed my hunts in the past, and I've it, it's always good to say okay, let's let's just chill out a sec. Let's not get fired up. Let's see where you hit this deer. And it can mean the difference between going and getting them or backing out. And so, uh, this year it would have been nice if I had a, a, you know, um, uh, a, a cam on my bow or a, a video camera in the tree with me recording the shot where I could say, you know what? Um, you know, that's a liver shot. I'm going to go look for him as opposed to, is he gut shot? then I'm going to let them set for a while. So I always err on the side of caution with that. But if you can get verified, you know, certain types of verification and video footage would be one of them, that would be ultimate.
1: Heck yeah. And, you know, I thought that I was going to be out filming my hunt. So I bought a little Canon camcorder and I bought the fourth arrow. And you want to talk about adding some weight to your pack. That's a good way to do it right
0: there. <laughs> hey, hey, you guys want to be more inefficient as a hunter? Video, <laughs> video all your hunts. Self-film, start exactly. Self-filming. Start yeah. self-filming. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, that the fourth arrow, it is nice. But, man, it's heavy, and I haven't used it in at least two years. Yeah. And I don't have any footage of any deer at
0: all. <laughs> I, I remember when I was self-filming there for a while, I would th- – and this is no joke – I would set all of it up and then a deer would come through that I wanted to shoot and I didn't even touch my camera equipment. I was like, come on. Like what? And then I missed a, um, I had a really bad experience with, uh, to this day, a deer that I let walk through. It haunts me. Uh, It was a 170 inch 10 pointer. It walked through my first shooting lane as I'm trying to get on, get it on camera. And then uh, I take a real bad shot at it and backstrap it, and luckily it lived. But the next year, or it was either the next year or the year after, uh, uh, another hunter shot it on a neighboring farm. So, uh, th- and I since that time I I don't self film anymore. Yeah, that's the perfect reason not to. Uh,
1: mine, I, I was carrying out all the camera gear, setting it up, and got like. Uh, no one's ever going to watch this but me, but I would get, like, B-roll of, like, here's the deer trails, here's the rub that I set up on, or here's the scrape, and then never any uh, any deer at all on it. And then I'm sure that if I did have a buck walk in, I'd do the same thing you did, and shoot the deer and never even touch the camera.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, but
1: I'm, I'm hoping that's easier with the Tacticam having it right on the bow. Yeah. If that wish comes through, of course, yeah. since this is a wish list talk.
0: Yeah. So, is your wife gonna to listen to this? You know what? I don't know if she will or not.
1: She's not really big into the hunting at all. uh, she's a girly girl, which I love you know, but um, so I don't know if she'll listen to this at all, but she definitely um she's already been given this list.
0: Good deal. well, hopefully she uh uh hears this or you you make enough uh, noise, oh man, this tacticam sure would be nice to get. <laughs> yeah you know i i've
1: got a little bit of a different tactic and um i go to jared the jewelry store and get whatever she sent me an image of and so that way it's like hey this is what you wanted and i made sure to come through for you and here's the list of the things that i want and she is uh batting at least a thousand if not
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's good that's good yeah well, um,
1: actually she's the one that bought the saddle for me. I was telling her, I showed it to her. on like a hunting public show. And was like, I think I could do so much better with one of these. And then, uh, had mentioned it again. And then she asked, what is that called again? And next thing you know, I had it for father's day with all the accessories.
0: That's, that's how you do it. That's how you do yeah. it, man. All right. So, all right. Uh, let's see here. A gift that I would want to give somebody. And I wish. Every human being in the every hunter at least who hunts cold weather, I've talked about this. Everybody knows probably what I'm going to say, and that is boot covers. Whether it is the Arctic Shield boot covers that I have, or another brand of boot covers out there, I'm telling you, slipping on a pair of boot covers allow it straight up allows you to hunt longer in colder weather if you have a foot issue like if your feet get cold and easily man ever since I've dropped the rubber boots and just started using the boot covers I'm telling you right now man it is a game changer it's a game changer product in my opinion and that's it's as simple as that I wish I could give every hunter out there a pair of boot covers
1: yeah you know what I need to invest in some of those um before this year, I uh, used, well, the last several years, I'd used some Baffin Impacts for when it was really cold. It's a pack boot. Uh, they were my ice fishing boots. They were not the best for climbing trees. Um, so, you know, they're a little bulky for that but they're super comfortable and my feet literally had never gotten cold in them. Uh, then last year at rifle camp, I gave them to one of my cousins and, you know, he just was complaining about cold feet. I could afford another pair. I planned to buy another pair before this hunting season. I didn't. And so I, uh, was up up North this year and I had just some crispy Colorado's and some, uh, darn tough wool socks that were like the hiker edition not like the warm hunting edition right. and my feet froze yeah I, i'm like a uh well I'm, I'm only 42 but i'm like about a 90 year old man because i had a heart attack when i was 39 oh, shit. and i take i forget what it is maybe eight different pills a day um heart related uh medicines a day and i'm freezing constantly and so i spent a lot of money to stay warm in the stands
0: Oh, dang. that That's crazy. Like, like sorry for laughing. But, no, go ahead. Um, but you would look, laugh
1: if I told you the story because I was walking out with a summit climber on my back. I've texted my wife all these issues that I'm having. She's like, you're having a heart attack. Get out of there. And I didn't. I'm like, no, I'm on one. I think I'm going to stay out here. I just won't climb the tree. And uh, it was a legit heart attack. I was in the hospital for the next week after that. God dang.
0: That's nuts. Well, I'm yeah. I'm glad you're here having this conversation with me because honestly, I've heard stories of guys doing the same thing and they didn't make it.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I'm I'm definitely a lot smarter now. I would not do the same thing. Yeah.
0: All right. So, um, you got to stay warm. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, there's a lot of products out there. All right. So so I covered a uh, a receive. I covered a give. I covered a, Say so you covered one of each. What, how about, how about this? What about a product that you could, that here's the restrictions. It has to be able to fit in a stocking as a stocking stuffer product.
1: Oh yeah. You're trying to be tough now. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I got one. I've got actually one a couple of years ago. I grabbed it and I, I tell you what, I like it. Um, some of the guys that are huge on noise may not like it, but typically when it's making noise, you're getting down anyway. And that's the, uh, Doyle's gear hoist. I have it clipped on my backpack. Um, it's a 30 foot long self-retracting, uh, lifts your bow. You could lift your stand with it or sticks with it if you need it. But I keep it clipped on my backpack. When I get to the tree, I take my backpack off, set my bow down. I clip the, the end around it. And I can climb up and not have to worry about um, my bow banging. And what I mean is before that, I had just a pull rope that I used. And then I got an aider for my sticks. And so I was getting higher than what I was when I cut the pull rope. And, you know, I'd get to uh, like my last stick and not even up to the stand yet. And my bow's off the ground already and banging off the tree. And so that gear hoist has been really cool for me. Yeah. And it would fit in a stocking.
0: Yeah. That's a good. That's a good gift idea, right? Uh, and you can take it down. Does it fit in your pocket? Like how how big roughly is it? You know, it's
1: probably about a five inch circle, and okay. so it kind of looks like a you know for the other uh, construction workers out there, it looks like a hundred foot tape measure really. Okay, and it's got a clip on the back of it, and then um, it's really interesting how it clips on too. It's kind of like a uh, knob that goes inside of a cup. So you just wrap it around and you put the knob in the cup so there's no noise to that. The only noise is um, when you're pulling your bow up, it, you can kind of hear it retrieving in a little bit, you know, the spring action, but yeah. not too loud at all.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's a great That's a great idea. I have two. I'm going to make one of them real simple and real easy. Uh, number one is, t- I don't know why, but I just absolutely love Wasp Broadheads. And so, if I could, if I could go give a, a serious bow hunter a, a stocking stuffing or a stocking stuffing idea, a stocking stuffer or whatever, it would be a set of wasp. Either if, if they like mechanicals, I'd get them the jackhammer. And if they like, um, shit if they like fixed blades i'd give them the boss four blade and so those are two heads that i've had a ton of success with i'm very confident in and i just you know it's almost like those old pepsis like commercials where they're going around the world to all these like all these third world countries and like here try a pepsi here share a pepsi and it's just like everybody having a I think it was, uh, Pepsi or he's either Pepsi or Coke and they're just sharing Pepsis and Cokes with everybody. I wish I could do that with wasp broadheads because again, a majority, a majority of their heads are made in America and, uh, the design that goes behind them is really sweet. And because of the confidence I have of just killing shit dead with them, I, dude, I, I love those heads.
1: I tell you that buck you shot what was it last year
0: that you snuck up on him? Oh, that would have been two year two years ago. Yeah.
1: yeah that photo right there alone should be proof on how good those heads are. Yeah. That was wild.
0: Yeah. Well, I
1: I have not tried them um to be honest with you the previous two years, I was using fixed heads, you know, watching the hunting public and the ranch fairy guy, and I was using fixed heads. And I'm new to archery. I started archery hunting with a crossbow, mm-hmm. and uh, li- fell in love with the season, and switched over to a compound bow. And um, when I did, I started, you know, started listening to all those guys, and I couldn't get the the fixed blades. Maybe it was the you know not the experience or whatever, but I couldn't get them to to hit the same point as a field head yeah. at thirty yards. You know, they were there was about a six inch difference left to right. They yeah. were up and down pretty good, and so I went back to mechanical this year. But I had, have not taken a look at wasp.
0: Yeah. So here's what I'm going to say uh, to you about that. Every company out there is going to tell you our heads fly just like a field point, but here here's the the reality. A field point and a broadhead are two different things. They're not the same. And because of that, you're going to have to tune your, you're going to have to make adjustments. Minor, some may be minor, some may be bigger, but you will ultimately have to make some kind of adjustment to get those new broadheads, whether they're mechanicals or uh, fixed blades tuned properly. I mean... I just don't like from a, if from an equation, right. Or for if you're doing doing research and you have a, a robot shooting a field point, then it shoots a broadhead. Like even, even if it's minuscule, there will be a difference in my opinion. And so I just re- highly recommend people making sure they tune whatever they switch to after a, after a field point.
1: And, and to be honest, that's what um, led me to the broadhead that I bought this year. I went with the sever broadheads because you could screw it shut and tie in that same broadhead that you're going to hunt with w- at practice.
0: Yeah.
1: And, that, and I got them hitting pretty damn good. And I was I was really confident going into the woods with them this year.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, that's a great that's a great point is uh, you. Uh, some broadheads have the ability to do that. Me. I just have old broadheads that, you know, maybe I shot a deer with, or, um, you know, I just, I dedicate a a broadhead or two every year to, and this year, this is going to sound weird, but I didn't, I did shoot a little bit of field points, but a majority of my practice was with my broadheads. And then as soon as the, it was time to go hunt, I changed the old broadheads out with the new broadheads and then or I actually had, I'm sorry, I had two, I had two different sets of arrows. So I had my practice broadheads and then I had my game time broadheads. And so I was shooting broadheads all year round and, uh, or, you know, for a majority of the year in the summer. And I know that's really hard on the targets that you're shooting at, but man, that is what it is. I, that's, that's what I like to do because that's, I want to practice with what I'm going out and in, in using in the real world. So that's what I do. Yeah.
1: That's a confidence builder because that's, you know, exactly what, well, not exactly. I used the one that screwed it in. So it wasn't an old head, but I had so much confidence knowing
0: that, no, I've been practicing
1: with the broad head on here. Uh, it really made me feel good.
0: Yeah. And then the second one, and this is going to sound, this is going to be, it's not a product. Okay. But from a stocking stuffer standpoint, I really feel like if there's a lady listening to this or uh, a stocking stuffer idea for a buddy or uh, a friend of yours, buy him an out-of-state tag for an over-the-counter hunt. Like, there's so many states out there from, jeez, just about every state at some point has an over-the-counter hunt uh, or tag that you can go get like right now I could go to Missouri or Wisconsin or Minnesota or Illinois or uh, Nebraska I'm just basically let's see I don't think I could do it in Kansas North or South Dakota I could go to Kentucky or Ohio I think and all those states have over-the-counter tag options like there's nothing better you know all this gear and equipment's fine but just grabbing your buddy for a four-day weekend and saying hey let's go hunt Ohio Or let's go hunt, you know, Michigan or Illinois, or let's just go do something different and fun. I think that would be an excellent, excellent gift idea.
1: Oh, that'd be a perfect gift. If if I pulled that out of my stocking, I'd be much more. Uh, fired up about getting that, then I would be getting the Tacticam 6.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, no, that's awesome. And that was actually that uh, I've had a great hunting year, probably one of my, my best ever favorite ever. Um, it, but that was my goal for this year being in Michigan. I had planned to go down to Indiana to hunt this fall. Um, but I'm building a house for a customer that I was supposed to build over the summer, and it just got pushed back to where I'm still framing walls right now, and so that's gotten pushed off for a year. Um, but no, that's a heck of an idea, right there. Yeah, and I think I know I've got points uh, gathering up out in Wyoming for both elk and deer. I've got points uh, accumulating in Iowa, so I'll be coming to see you in a few years. Yep, yep, so, perfect idea.
0: Awesome. All right. Let's see here. Uh, So those were some stocking stuffers. Any other gifts that you would like to give or receive?
1: So, yeah, absolutely. On my receive list, uh, the other thing that I put in there was I would like to get uh, um, the, the I think it's loophole the full draw range finder. So I'm an all-around outdoorsy guy. I, I mean, I do golf, I snowboard, I kayak. Well, I'm using my golf rangefinder in the tree, and it's got like a red rubber sleeve on it. So I'm sure that I could definitely do better uh, than that. Yeah. So I'm hoping to get the the a rangefinder as well.
0: Okay, that would be a great stocking stuffer idea as well. I mean, that's a yeah, yeah, I mean, that would fit, fit in the stock. stocking. So, uh, some of these uh, rangefinders though aren't. Uh, like as cheap as a pack of broadheads per se. Not at all. Uh, but uh, they're, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're hunting without a rangefinder, you're uh, you're not doing everything that you possibly could from an ethics standpoint. I don't know. Like guessing yardage to me is you, you gotta be really good at it in order to, you know, I mean, when I started out, I didn't have a range finder, but what I did do, I, um, the, I can remember one of the first times I ever went hunting by myself and I sat in a fence row, and I I had like 10, 20, and 30-yard pins. And so I was sitting, and I had four paint sticks that I took with me. And I would take 10 steps, because that's how I ranged everything in, was in my backyard. Right. Um, so I took 10 steps, and then I would put a... A paint stick down. I take another 10 step, I put another paint stick down. And then, so my maximum range was 30 yards. And even then that would have been, that would have been good. And so I can remember sitting in, in a tree stand with these yardage markers out in front of me, or uh, in a fence row with these yardage markers out in front of me, you know, obviously no deer came through, <laughs> no no deer came through in that setup, but you know, it's like, that's how I, I used to do it. Now, man, I range almost every tree, every trail, say, okay, well, if, if he's, if he's in front of this tree, I'm putting my 20 on him. If he's behind this tree, I'm putting my 30 on him. If he's angling this way, I got him at, you know, 10 yards, whatever the case may be, man, hunting, like you, you have to hunt with a, with a range finder, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. Well, what's funny about that story is you did what I always contemplated when I first started when I was crossbow hunting. I was like, man, I need didn't know these yards and i was hunting a 10 acre backyard i mean it was a mowed grass backyard but the deer cut through it to get to the cornfield next door and there was no trees to range or anything and i didn't have the range finder and it's like "Man, i need to put some like stakes in the ground so i know how far out they are so i can shoot at them yeah it's funny that you actually did that
0: yep absolutely all right and so a, a good range finder um you know, here's a, here, if you can afford it, this is not a cheap gift. And I'll be honest, this is a hundred percent, uh, a true story. An e-bike. I have an e-bike. Uh, I got, I know a guy who works at a company and he got me a huge discount on that, uh, product. And so I paid, I only paid 50% of really what it was caught co- what it would cost. So with that said, I probably wouldn't have the same e-bike that I have now if I didn't get that giant discount on it. But I will say, if you can afford it, it is an access game changer for public and private land if the public land that you hunt allows it, okay? There's some public land that you can't, so you got to make sure you do your... your. Uh, your research on the rules and regulations of e-bikes and what is a legal e-bike versus what is a illegal e-bike. But just from an access point or a strategy on a, um, on private ground this year, because I have a, a really hard to access piece where when I would walk in, the deer would run, but when I would ride my e-bike in, they would stop and stare at me. And then in no time I'm past them and gone. Right. So I just rode right by them. I hit it in a fence line or hit it in, in some trees. And, uh, sure enough, it's, uh, at that point it's, it's all done and you're in, I mean, I was getting within 40 yards from my tree stand, hiding it in the, some real tall grass climbing up, like just walking 40 yards, climbing up in my tree and that's it. And then I'm in and, and it's, it's real quick. it, I would say it's invasive, but it's no more invasive than a truck or a tractor going by. They they they're not used to it, and so I'm telling you, if you have the op- the opportunity to use an e bike, man, there. I mean, it's expensive, but it's fun. It, it it works.
1: Yeah, they are definitely on my radar. A um, couple funny stories. I've taken my mountain bike on both a, a- public piece and a private piece and the the public piece I have been on it enough times that I thought oh yeah I can go out before dark and pedal back there no big deal and I about got ripped off my bike backwards by a vine coming out over the trail
0: (laughs) you know six
1: o'clock in the morning pitch black out and it went right across my neck right across my throat and about ripped me off my bike right fastest I ever squeezed the brakes and then uh on on private land i've got a uh it's about an 80 acre field that we can hunt and it's got you know some wood a little bit of woods around it and i rode in on there but man by the time i got to my stand because it undulates a lot and i got to my stand i was sweating worse than i've ever sweated before so yeah an e-brake bike would be badass
0: yeah and so you know take do your own research on that but uh, it's. I mean, it's great for access if you if you can do it. You can, if you have the ability. Like when I was out in South Dakota, I mean, some of these roads are some of these roads are no motorized vehicles. Okay, but yeah. a class one e bike is legal because the throttle is disconnected and it's only pedal power, and so that makes that e bike legal. The that that piece of it's not necessarily the state that makes the law, it's the, the property that makes the law. So I could ride, you know, I could ride that bike in. I'd have to pedal to get the motor going because there's no throttle. But I go I'd go on there and, and uh, man, I got deep. I got deep sometimes. And so what was frustrating was I followed all the rules and regulations. And then I I hear a truck coming or a four-wheeler coming and these people aren't, you know, they're obviously breaking, breaking a law or breaking a rule. And, uh, that, that pissed me off, but man, you can do some great things on an e-bike.
1: No, that's awesome. I definitely have to have to up my game for access.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: where, Where we go up North, we've been going there for 30 years now, or it'll be 30 years next year. Um, and it's. a a pretty big swamp area where it's 10 miles uh, east to west and like five miles north to south where there's no roads that get in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see here. So that's a real expensive one. Um, I don't know. I I always like my mom every year gets me a box of hand warmers. So those are always well accepted. Um, But man, other than that, I'm that I'm probably one of the hardest guys to buy for because if I want something, I just go get it uh, or yep. uh, I pretty much have everything I need and being in, this sounds douchey, but being in the hunting industry, as long as I've been, I have a lot of contacts and um, you know, I've been, I've worked in the past with a lot of companies and so I've got ai I mean, I, I'm literally just built a room for, not an addition, but I have a loft here above my garage where I have my office. And then the next room over, I've, I've split this up is going to be my hunting gear room. And so all I'm doing is just going to move everything that's in the garage up into this room for a little bit better organization. And so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. It's awesome to have that much gear, but at the same time, what I've always found is you start to refine what you have and you just go back to the same things over and over and over because you just feel confident with it. And so.
1: And I think that's where I'm at now. I'm looking at a garage full of stuff where it's like, I need to have a garage sale or throw some of this stuff on on Facebook marketplace or whatever, like the, the summit climbers and, and, other gear that's just kind of outdated, and especially now that I'm doing more of the mobile thing, and and the, I've got the B stand, some of that gear could easily disappear, and I wouldn't
0: know it. Yep, yeah, absolutely. It's like almost uh, clothes in my closet. Uh, I go through it maybe once or twice a year, and every year I just if I don't wear it, I I, I wear like five Vortex Optic shirts and a couple like of my own Nine Finger Chronicles shirts and a couple other maybe t-shirts that I work out in and I have like a rotation of maybe 7 or 8 t-shirts and then they get washed and then I just use them again and then 90% of my closet just isn't touched and so god forbid I have to get a suit out right for a wedding all my friends are pretty much married or divorced and second weddings don't have <laughs> second weddings don't have big events anymore so I don't need any of that stuff and so I just I, – I literally could get away with one pair of blue jeans, a pair of sweatpants, you know, eight eight pairs of socks, eight pairs of underwear, eight T-shirts, and I'm good to go.
1: Yeah, I'm like that so I'm a pretty simple guy, you know. And so most of my clothes are work clothes or hunting gear, hunting and fishing clothes. And uh, I just did a huge purge this past summer. My wife's like, you got – your whole dresser full. I can't even put any clothes in there, but you don't wear any of it. Get yeah. your butt through there and get that stuff thrown out or given away.
0: Heck yeah, heck yeah.
1: So, oh. but I tell you, that's one thing that I would buy for somebody that is on the expensive side. Is I bought the Sika incinerator, um, and that thing is awesome. Yeah. I know it's expensive. I think it's like six fifty for the bibs and six fifty for the coat, yeah. and I would buy it again. Um, The downside to that is I bought that like I didn't have a spot where I could walk in the store and feel it first. So I bought it and I bought first just the coat like, well, let me see what this thing is. And when I got it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's badass. So I bought the bibs, too. And then that led me to buy like the Stratus outfit expecting like the same not the same as the incinerator, but the same quality, same same idea because that was expensive too it was like 350 for the coat and 350 for the pants and that was a bust that is like any hunting pant you ever seen they do the same thing as the as the uh, stratus one so you know it's kind of a double-edged sword i'd buy the incinerator for somebody i know they would stay warm if they're a cold-blooded person they would love that
0: yeah man like I move around so much like okay, so I have a pair of Sitka fleece pants. It's not the incinerator, but I've I've had the incinerator uh, uh, not the jacket but the bib on before. and I can definitely see how that would keep you warm. The thing about it though is that it in my opinion those garments are only put on at the bottom of the tree stand unless you're driving up or, if you're driving, maybe taking an e-bike or or getting into a ground blind on a field edge. But for me, those items, heavy fleece, they pick up all that beggar's lice. They pick up every little single thing. So for me, I look at those and I go, man, I have to put these in a bag and then I have to take them to my stand. I have to put them on at my stand and then. Which I do with some of my other clothes anyway, but they're not that heavy fleece that picks up all of that stuff. You know what I mean? All the all, all the beggar's lice, all the cock burrs and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So I've really stepped away from products like that, heavy fleece products, because, man, uh, they're... Like, I, I guess I haven't seen any difference from a quiet standpoint. And if the other clothes is a little bit loud, louder, the deer don't notice it. And so right. well, the
1: incinerator is not the police that picks up all that stuff. That's the fanatic outfit. And I don't have that. Um, OK, well, it is definitely you cannot put it on and go to your spot. And, yeah. and the really funny story this past year. Uh, A month november 15th is our gun opener and i got to our uh to the tree that i thought i was gonna climb and i put on my bibs and left the coat in the backpack but put the bibs on because then i put my saddle on over the bibs i used the saddle to climb to set a new stand and as my safety you know it's got the lineman belt and whatnot that tree was a bitch to climb like i'm in there accidentally breaking off branches on public land, of course. And I got so worked up, so sweaty, I didn't even have the coat on, that when I got the stand set, I literally had to strip down. I used my T-shirt like a towel to get all the sweat off my body and then started putting layers back on. So, yeah, it is not anything that you could walk to the stand in. Um, Typically what I do is I get to the stand I get set up, I get my bow pulled up, and then that stuff's in my backpack. And as I start to cool off, I put it on. Uh, Traditionally, for like a morning hunt, I'm in my stand over an hour before the legal shooting time. And so I can do it pretty much in the dark and not feel like I'm getting busted putting it on. Yeah,
0: okay. And that's one thing that I've had to refine the most, I think, over when it comes to hunting gear and equipment is my... Uh, My clothing Uh, and what everybody like everybody is different. You're cold. I run hot. And so um, I run hot except my feet so I can get away with less layers on my legs and up top. But if my and it's almost like my feet control it back in the day before my boot covers, once my feet started, it was over. My mind was off time to get out of the tree. But now. I have the boot covers on, and for some reason that allows me to just wear a, a heavy base layer and then a pair of damn near work jeans over them, and that's usually what I, unless the temperature's real cold, and then I'll wear the same base layers with a pair of bibs, and so those uh, the the heavier bibs, and so that's what I wear in the in the cold temps, but from a you know, like ever since the inception or since Merino wool has really been heavily marketed towards the hunting uh, industry or the hunting community, man, I would, uh, a gift I would give would be 100% Merino wool base layers and just get people comfortable again.
1: Yeah, I love my Merino wool too. I bought some black Ovis. I don't know if they call it the mid layer or base layer. I think it's the mid layer actually. It's like a quarter zip. Yeah. And I love that thing.
0: Yeah. So let's see here, Any, uh, anything else? We'll, we'll, go, we'll go one more product uh, that you have, either you want to give or receive. Okay, you know,
1: like I mentioned, I'm new to, to shooting a compound bow and hunting with, with a compound bow. Uh, this was the second season that I, that I hunted with one. And listening to the podcast, you guys give some good advice on, on shooting does. Get to get yeah. good with your equipment and shoot some does. And so this year, my goal was to do exactly that. And I shot five does with my bow this year. And one thing that helped me do that is I set up the boss buck decoy, thinking that I could get a buck to come in for the pre-rut at the, at the uh, private field that I was hunting. Yeah. But the does just kept coming right over to it. And I'm not a good trophy hunter. And like I said, I was still trying to... It, not perfect it but you know hone my craft and so if you're trying to do doe patrol I know people say those really freak out the does every single time I've set it up I have does walk right over to it now I've yet to see a buck with it set up so maybe it's because I shoot the does that come in but that boss buck decoy or a decoy in general um it's a lot of fun and even if you're sitting in your stand and you get kind of bored and you're looking around, the next thing you know, you look over and you see your decoy. It fires you up a little bit sometimes too. You're like, "Oh, buffalo! <laughs> I set him there." <laughs> you know, so it does. It gives you something to look at, and it does bring bring uh, you know some deer in. Like I say, yet to to do any good with a buck on it, but for getting a, a good uh, good shots at does this year, man, I really was able to to uh, do some learning with it. Yeah.
0: And that's, that's, uh, I, I, I've heard stories of guys falling asleep in the tree and then seeing a, having their decoy out in front of them, grabbing their bow and trying to shoot it (laughs) until they're like, they, they realize what is going on. They're in some kind of fog or something like that. So (laughs) So
1: whenever I set them up, I send a picture to one of my buddies that hunts too. And they're like, Oh, that's a good one. I'm like, well, that's my decoy.
0: decoy (laughs) That's funny that's funny well man hey i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on here and and bs with us about uh christmas gift ideas and uh so hopefully you get that house built hopefully you get out some more this year and uh get some hunting done and uh good luck the rest of the season and thanks for your time
1: hey thanks dan i sure appreciate you having me on and i really appreciate the content that you put out really uh, uh relatable guy and so i appreciate you having me on